Should we do another shot of Kraken before we get going? I have to drive home, Jake. Uh, you can sleep on this love seat. <laughs> You're short enough for that, right? My head would be on one arm. My Your knees would be on the other one. would be on the other. Yeah. <laughs> I have it's a very fun. long back. And extremely short legs after that. You're, yeah. you're what, six... Six feet two, six two. What? Sixteen right. feet two. Sixteen feet two. <laughs> yeah, all uh, back, no all legs. Back. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, for listeners at home, why it is very, very alarming to behold. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a disturbance <laughs> to the eyes. <laughs> He's an abomination. Yeah. Welcome to Super Superstitious, the uh, paranormal podcast where we bring you the science behind the strange. I have nothing to add. Done. That's exactly what it is. So this is our second annual, annual Halloween, Halloween Spookstravaganza. <laughs> it's our second time, so we still haven't quite remembered what the name is. But what we're going to be doing is just kind of just inundating you with spooky good times. And they will be as salacious as inflected by Jake just now. <laughs> it's going to be as uncomfortable to hear as that particular sentence was. So all month long, we've been bringing you a bunch of cool, like special guest appearances, talking about their own personal experiences and stuff. Today, we're going to just hit you with back and back, uh, uh, back to back cool stories. No, you got it right the first time. Back and back cool stories of uh, of the spooky sort. Probably some Shadowlands roulette in there. And yeah, then, the uh, the wheels are calling. And then at the very end, we will have a very, very special guest for you. Yes, we uh, we were approached on the street today by a strange figure who... Well, she has a TV show on TLC, I think. And uh, yeah, she was eager to get on the show, so we'll get to her later. But for now, I think we're ready to just jump right in. Yes, so we're going to bring you guys one of our classic patented spook witches. witches. (laughs) We're just going to sandwich a longer spooky story between some shorter ones. That's right. (laughs) And it will be super delicious. (laughs) So to begin with, nothing's quite as spooky as seeing things in your bedroom at night while you're trying to sleep. Just ask my sister or listen to episode 45 from a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. For example, of uh, how true that may be. Mm -hmm. Uh, Along those lines, here's a story submitted like two months ago by listener Michaela, last name redacted. Thank you, Michaela, last name redacted. Michaela lived for a short time in the Grand Canyon Village, so she had a story about her time there. Below sea level. Just kidding. I don't know where that is. Quote, I experienced a phenomenon when I first moved to the canyon that was very strange. I can describe it as blue sparks on the ceiling of my room. Whoa. I woke up at 3.16 a.m. each morning for three days when I first moved. No lights on or electronics in the room. I first thought it could be my computer light flashing, but it's a green color. These lights flashed all over the ceiling and gradually got closer to where my bed sat. What? Each time I pulled the blanket over my head and I hoped for sleep. I eventually brought this up to other people I lived with and they separately had the same reaction. You saw it too? <laughs> uh, I may have added the inflection myself. But, um, I mean, that would have been my reaction if someone told me that. Like, wait, you're seeing that same weird shit? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I saw them only a few times afterwards when I moved into a shared room. The other was a shared room. I don't know if it was just one shared room to a different shared room. I wasn't totally clear on that. Sure. My first idea was to search around the room the morning after the first appearance, but there wasn't anything I could find that might make those lights appear. There was one of those light blocking curtains on the window, so nothing coming from hmm. the outside either. Did you check your disco ball? The other people I lived with saw them in different colors. I've never looked into it on the webs, but it might be worth a shot. So I oh. did look into it on the webs yes. and found only a bunch of different websites saying they are your guardian angels. Oh, you're in luck, Michaela, last name redacted. Uh, a lot of forums where people say that they are some kind of, quote, playful helper spirits and hmm. things like that. Okay. Um, one answer goes so far as to say that blue sparks, that color specifically, means the Archangel Michael. Nice. Uh, user JVM222 on the above top secret forums. This is the same forum upon which I found a pretty extended story of the stickmen phenomenon Uh-oh. a while back. So some very quality takes there. Yes. Um, JVM222 says, quote, I've experienced it many times and still do. It can be called a soul spark. I haven't really come to a final conclusion to what it is, but from my own experience, hmm. it is myself It is myself connecting with my higher self, and my higher self is making itself present by integrating with my lower self. Self. They say, here's a link that could help. And then they then link to a page on the website crystallinks.com, which for some reason, oh boy. I couldn't bring myself to follow. Indeed. What's her name? We'll be able to... 
lend a little help here as well. Joanna? Joanna, yes. yes. Episode um, 19. I checked that out. Good memory. Also, Soul Spark is the name of the band. If you didn't know this already, but uh, after Nickelback broke up, a couple of the members formed oh, no. another band. Oh, wow. Just kidding. Oh, okay. I would, I, it's completely convincing a name for that kind of yes. a band. Yes. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of convincing sounding explanations that involve like migraines and or recent head injuries, kind of things that can cause those sorts of visual phenomena. Right. Uh, but this was not Michaela's case. She didn't say she recently had head trauma. Did she um, eat a bunch of Mentos before she went to bed? <laughs> yeah, just chomping into some like lifesavers. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, did she chew in front of a mirror there's a mirror on the ceiling she was just chomping on mints really hard yes. while she was going to sleep maybe she was chewing on five gum I've heard those experiences can be extreme <laughs> very possibly it certainly was not head trauma plus it would be pretty weird if every single person in the house all had the exact same head injuries at the same time and then saw the same stuff that's true I feel like that would be even spookier than what they were seeing <laughs> yeah the only thing I can find in terms of medical explanations are some fun phenomena involving like blood cells traveling across the retina. Okay. There's a thing called blue sky sprites that are an example of that, but those typically occur more in cases where there's a lot of light, especially like if you're looking at um, something blue, especially the sky itself. Are those the sort of shadowy, dim little flecks that kind of go like whoop, 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 whoop? Those are just floaters, I think. Uh, um, okay. Just things in the jelly of your eye floating around. Okay. Hello, um, floaters. <laughs> Uh, blue sky sprites are when you're looking at a blue background of some kind in highlight situations yep. and you see white flecks like flashing in different places. Yes, I have seen that. Mostly cool. when I'm on a plane. That makes sense because that's even more intense light. And so what that is, is um, the blue light in particular, that wavelength is what causes that the most because white blood cells do not absorb that light. They reflect it instead. And so you are seeing your white blood cells shining across your retina. Holy crap. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. Yeah. Oh, my God. Now, this isn't what Michaela's experiencing because she's experiencing it in a dark room at night. So. Right, right. Uh, slightly more on point is what's called visual snow or visual static. Mm-hmm. But that's typically red and typically uniform across your whole field of vision. I know. I can, oh, yes. I can see it like in the dark in an or extremely my eyes closed. Dark room, yeah, you can yeah. see a bunch of little red dots like everywhere. It kind of seems like they're traveling from one side to the other. Sure. Um, fun thing about those, uh, the cause isn't totally understood. So oh, interesting. Whatever. I, for a while, thought, I was like, oh, is it like red blood cells or something? But no, you wouldn't see them individually. They wouldn't be perfectly like spaced like that. Sure. So people don't really know what that is. I think it might be some kind of like. Um, you know, excitable neurons. They just really don't know. So whatever. Yeah, it's hard yeah. To know. But those are red, and again, don't look like sparks traveling across the ceiling towards where your bed is. <laughs> right. Basically, I don't know what's going on, Michaela, but it's very cool, and we're very glad that you shared. Please do update us if if you see anything like that happens. was yeah that was you said back when you were living in the Grand Canyon. If anything like that has happened since, um, or if you found any other similar like kind of stories online that aren't just guardian angel based. We'd love to hear Indeed. about it. I wonder, too, if there's any kind of uh, particular natural energy or something going on in the Grand Canyon, geologically speaking. If it could be some kind of weird static thing. That. I yeah. don't know. It's it's not a place I've ever... Who knows, been. right. Yeah. Yeah. So... That's but, all we got, but thank you very much for sharing. Thank, and, thank you very much, indeed. And we encourage anyone else who has stories they'd like to share to do so. Please do. Reach. Was, uh, through Instagram. And even though the guy I talked to her about, I was like, okay, I'll share it soon. And then a month passed, and now I'm talking about it. So, mm-hmm. uh, But I was mostly waiting for the right moment. I think a Halloween special is a very right yeah, moment to talk about go. a cool story. Getting I'm a cool boosted listener. to that Halloween ep. <laughs> Shall we jump now into your... Uh, Spooky old story? Yes. I have, well, I have two today. I have an older one and a newer one. A borrowed one and a bluer one. Yes. We already heard the bluer one. That's true. This is the one you had a hankered for last week, isn't it? Yeah. I think this one's kind of fun. I like it very much because it is coming out of the turn of the century, very much pre-Patterson Gimlin, very much pre-Sasquatch as pop American phenomenon Mm -hmm. as we know it today. It's called The Strangest Story Ever Told. Oh, wow. By Harry D. Culp. Oh, boy. Um, we're looking at 1900 in Thomas Bay, Alaska. I guess this had become a sort of just oral story for many years, but a person found the original manuscript, so they say, or it was being held onto by a member of the family for many years, and then was just sort of like, oh, you want this old thing? Here you go. So take it as it is. All righty. 
Oh, I see. It's the daughter of the guy who purportedly wrote the thing. Gotcha. All right, here we go. The spring of 1900 found four men batching together in a shack at Wrangell, Alaska. All four were broke, as is usual with prospectors. As luck would have it, I was one of the four. For reasons which will be quite obvious, I will just call the other three John, Charlie, and Fred. Charlie came into the shack one night in April, all excited, and said, Fellows, I have been on the trail of an old Indian for the last month, trying to get him to tell me where he picked up a piece of free gold quartz he has at his camp. I never said anything about it before, because I wanted to get the story from him first, and today he spilled the beans. He told me to go up to Thomas Bay and camp on Patterson River on the right side. Travel up river for about eight miles and then turn to the high mountains. And after traveling about a mile and a half, I would find a lake shaped like a half moon. Plenty of stone like I found on the slide there, he said. Uh, he said. <laughs> I have to use Charlie's voice I just decided to use. <laughs> and then there's a note in parentheses. Thomas Bay is known by Native Americans as in Alaska as the Bay of Death. Oh, boy. About 150 years ago, in 1900, so 1750, mm-hmm. uh, a slide down one of the mountains wiped out a village, killing over 500 of the inhabitants. Well, of course, a prospector is ready to stand. Oh, that's part of the parenthetical that they put in the next paragraph. Oh, my God. Is the next paragraph saying how long before the Matrix came out that was? Let's do the math. Uh, it would be 249 years. 249. That's a long time before the Matrix came out. <laughs> so, well, of course, a prospector is ready to stampede on a whisper of gold at any place. And we were no exceptions to the rule. We all talked the matter over, and finally it was decided that we would run our faces for an outfit. Which what on earth does that mean? That means to borrow money on just, like, the quality of your own word, basically. Okay. You have nothing to back it up. You are just basically frauding a person <laughs> to borrow. So they're going to borrow money that they are not good for to try to strike it rich. And send Charlie to look the prospect over. While he was gone, John, Fred, and myself would hustle work somewhere for another grub stake. Turn tricks. <laughs> and to pay the old one off. The fore part of May, Charlie loaded his outfit into a canoe and having favorable weather, left Wrangell for Thomas Bay, which lies northwesterly about 50 miles. He had three months supplies, but was to come back any time sooner if he found anything. But if he didn't show up in that time, we were to put out a search for him. John and Fred took a contract to get wood, and I got a job in the Wrangell sawmill. Things went along until the first part of June when, on a Sunday in the late afternoon, we all being home, in walks Charlie without a coat or hat and looking as if he'd been through hell. He didn't give us any greeting whatever. He just heaved a piece of quartz over into a corner of the room and said, Get me something to eat. I'm all in and I want rest. The fellow looked it, and after we, he had eaten, he turned in without telling us a thing about his trip. Hmm. We picked up the piece of quartz, and say, boy, <laughs> it sure was a pretty thing to look at for a prospector. It was shot through with gold specks, just like a badly freckled-faced kid. <laughs> were we excited? I'll say we were! <laughs> uh, just before dark, we walked down to the beach to bring Charlie's outfit, as he had come up to the shack with only that piece of quartz in his hand. But there wasn't a thing in the canoe except the oars. Hmm. Not much sleep for us that night, but Charlie never stopped sawing wood, a.k.a. snoring super loud. We had hard work getting Charlie up for breakfast the next morning, but when, we, when he did roll out, he just ate, borrowed a coat and hat, and left the house without saying a word or even answering one question out of the many put to him by us. All of us, being excited and feeling ourselves worth a fortune, did not go to work that day, but sat around the shack and passed that blamed piece of rock back and forth to each other while we talked and waited for Charlie to come back and make his report. Believe me, we were anxious to hear it. Along in the afternoon, he came in and said, Fellows, the SS Drigo will be in on her way south early tomorrow morning. Can you give me enough money for my ticket to Seattle? I'm through with Alaska and never want to see it again. I'll tell you about my trip to Thomas Bay and where I found that quartz, but my advice to you is to forget about it. Hmm. It will never do you any good and will only cause you a lot of mental and physical pain. If we were not partners, I would never open my lips about this trip or what I found. But if you promise never to mention my name in connection with what I tell you or mention the name of Thomas Bay to me again, I'll give you the straight of my experience up there. Oh, damn. Sounds pretty spooky. Judge for yourselves as to my saneness, because this is the most astounding thing you ever heard, and, as far as I'm concerned, is beyond me to reason out. 
Don't ask any questions to prolong my story any longer than it takes to tell it, as I want to leave Alaska and forget it if I can. I will try to make the one telling plain enough. So he's trying to say now that the story was so scary to him that he wanted to get the hell out of there and not have to he's, think about it he's, anymore. Yeah, he's like, this is the one and only time I ever want to tell this, and then I'm going to leave, and I'll see you guys later if you want to deal with this shit. Damn. That's on you. This is Charlie's story. So these are in Charlie's words. You going to do the Charlie voice the whole time? <laughs> the first night leaving Wrangell? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Just imagine that voice. There you go. The first night after leaving Wrangell found me in Ideal Cove. Formal name, not a place that he's describing. Next night I reached Muddy River in time to make camp again. The third night I hit Ruth Island in Thomas Bay. I spent the next day looking up Patterson River for a suitable place to, for a good camp, which I found a quarter of a mile up from Tidewater on the right-hand side looking up the river. Broke camp on Ruth Island the next day and moved up to the place I picked out the day before. Put up my tent, packed up my outfit, and left the canoe on the riverbank. The next day I spent cooking beans, cutting wood, and making things comfortable for a long stay. I hope I was going to say just leaving at that. Just spent the whole day cooking beans. <laughs> yeah. You know how much I love beans and... Uh, <laughs> Making sure they're real cooked. Cook those beans so goddamn much. <laughs> As it looked like rain, I wanted to get things fixed to keep dry. It started to rain that night and just kept it up for days. I lost track of time as each day was just like the one before. Had nothing to read, was all alone. Couldn't do anything without getting soaked. And the roar of the river and wind through the timber just about drove me bugs. <laughs> so, I, so I put in most of my time sleeping. Finally, the weather broke and I got out. Spent several days in trying to find the old Indian's half-moon lake, but couldn't get it spotted. I did find about two miles from camp up the river and about a mile from it a lake shaped like the letter S. On the creek coming out from the lower end, I panned some pretty good colors, a.k.a. gold, but as I figured, not enough to get excited about. Yet, an indication of gold in the country. I shouldn't have spoiled this reveal. <laughs> Talk about a dead country. That sure is. There doesn't seem to be any life in there at all. You might spend all day in the timber without seeing a squirrel. I was getting sort of tired of beans, rice, and bacon, so I made up my mind I would go over to a ridge about eight miles east of the S Lake and get a few grouse, as I thought I could hear a few hooters up there when I was at the head of this lake. He thought there was the restaurant hooters. <laughs> Try to get some wings instead of doing all the bacon and rice and beans. Exactly. I left come the next morning, which was a fine sunny day. I took only the rifle with me, and when I came to the ridge, sure enough, there were a few grouse hooting. I shot two and had gotten them when I bagged another one, which fell down the ridge about a hundred yards before it hung up. While on my way down to pick it up, I found that piece of quartz. Up to that time, I had paid very little attention to what the country I was in looked like, as it was so heavily timbered and brushy. The formation didn't show up, and I had no tools with me to uncover it. The top of an old snag had broken off and fallen, scraping the top moss and loose dirt for a space of about 8 feet wide and 18 or 20 feet long, uncovering this quartz ledge, which is where I found this piece. This ledge was worked smooth by a glacier at one time, I couldn't find anything to break a piece off with, so I used the butt of my gun to get that piece. In doing so, I broke the stock of my gun, thus ruining it for further use. This didn't worry me any, as I knew there was not game of the country larger than a grouse and damned few of them. My first thought was of the richness of the courts and of you fellows getting back to town to round you all up so we could get busy on it. Uh, after looking Just over and- fuck that court. <laughs> oh my god. Which is exactly what he was <laughs> thinking of. This is the sole reason these guys <laughs> took out a loan. We just want to fuck the gold. Where was I? <laughs> After looking over and enjoying the feeling of knowing I had made a rich find, I covered the ledge up again with moss, limbs, and rotten chunk. So, just to describe the scene, shot a grouse, rolled down a hill, he scooched after it, and that's when he found this, like, exposed quartz face that had been clearly recently revealed by... A tree falling. A tree falling him. right near it. And he covers it back up because he doesn't want anyone else to find it. Finishing that job... There's a lot of people out there who are just like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> this vast wilderness, we're all just crawling all over right. trying to find exactly. some course. Exactly. Um, finishing that job, I thought I would climb the ridge directly over the ledge and get my landmarks so I could come back to it again or tell you where it was if anything should happen to me. This I did, climbing straight up over the ledge on the ridge till I reached the top, which was about 600 feet above where I found the ledge. I looked down below me and picked out a big tree with a bushy top, 
taller than the rest and about 50 feet to the right of the ledge. Looking over the top of this tree from where I stood, I could see out on Frederick Sound, Cape of the Straight Light, the point of Vanderput Spit, a.k.a. Point Vanderput. <laughs> I'm glad he mm-hmm. added that. And turning a little to the left, I could see uh, Sukhoi Island from the mouth of Wrangled Narrows. So he knows his landscape. Satisfied with that, I turned half round to get a backsight on some mountain peaks, and lying below me on the other side of the ridge from the ledge was the Half Moon Lake the Indian had told me about. Hot damn. Right there, fellows, I got the scare of my life. I hope to God I never see or go through the likes of it again. Swarming up the ridge toward me from the lake were the most hideous creatures. I couldn't call them anything but devils, as they were neither men nor monkeys, yet looked like both. Hmm. They were entirely sexless, their bodies covered with long, coarse hair, except where the scabs and running sores had replaced it. Each one seemed to be reaching out for me and striving to be the first one to get me. Oh, boy. The air was full of their cries, and the stench from their sores and bodies made me faint. I forgot my broken gun and tried to use it on the first ones, and then I threw it at them and turned and ran. God, how did I run? I could feel their hot breath on my back. Their long, claw-like fingers scraped at me. The smell from their steaming, stinking bodies was making me sick, while the noises they made, yelling, screaming, and breathing, drove me mad. Reason left me. How I reached the canoe or how I hung on to that piece of quartz is a mystery to me. When I came to, it was night, and I was lying in the bottom of my canoe, drifting between Thomas Bay and Sukhoi Island, cold, hungry, and crazy for a drink of water. But only to satisfy the latter urge, I started for Wrangell, and here I am. You no doubt think I am either crazy or lying. All I can say is, there is the quartz. Never let me hear the name of Thomas Bay again, and for God's sake, help me get away tomorrow on that boat." And so passed out Charlie from our lives. We put his story down as a fantasy caused by loneliness and morbid thought. Wow. I like that because it's such a big build up to like, oh, he's just out in the woods and then suddenly it hits hard. <laughs> like this is zombie Sasquatch like insane. just swarming up over the <laughs> hill towards him. I like to that. the Yeah, exactly. Like, holy shit. Yeah. The, 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 I thought he was going to have like, an encounter with like one somewhere in the woods. It was kind of spooky, but Jesus. A horde of something chases after him. Screaming, just clawing at him, just trying to get to be the first one to get him. What a horrifying oh, thought. Gosh. And like, I also love the creepy feeling of imagining looking out over like a vista like that like when you've hiked to the top of a mountain you're like taking in the scenery and just seeing in the distance down below like figures running in your mm-hmm. direction and Wait then coming to realize like oh fuck are they coming for me like and yet still having that time and distance but just yeah, like, knowing there's this, this way like huh. velocity of this thing coming towards you so creepy uh. but it, it's a little uh purple towards the end there i think yeah i do like that the writer of the overall tale is sort of like we all just sort of wrote him off right this guy went kooky and came home like period and it's at a time when i feel like someone wouldn't be using that as a kind of like double psycho they're like oh i don't believe this stuff but if you want to you can like as a way to make it seem more real (laughs) it's at a time more when like these stories weren't as super common right so it's like oh this is something that someone told me right which i kind of buy so yeah, it could be that it was something that just this guy imagined. He just freaked himself out. Maybe yeah. he saw like an animal, like a bear or something, and got freaked out. But um, true. The specific description of being somewhere between man and monkey is like, all right, well, that's pretty. It's fun, yeah. but it is. It's a much more um, nightmarish description than I think a lot of purported accounts take. Yeah, like as far as like them all sound like they're in very poor health and like very yeah. desperate to just get him right right it's um, all so uncharacteristic of any ape and it's very goofy goofy but creepy but creepy of course no absolutely i just mean as far as like is this a believable thing that actually right, happened right, right. Eh, but there you go Story. gotta love the turn of the century spooks exactly <laughs> the tocs <laughs> talks talking about talks <laughs> exactly well, now for two years running, you have uh, pleasantly surprised me with scary Sasquatch stories. Nice. I, I like to think of this and the other one if I even get into it. But that neither of them is like, it's a Sasquatch. Exactly. They're just like, oh, it's something like some oh, weird shit in the woods or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Now, I have another story I want to tell, but I think before we get there, we've been putting it off all month. It's yeah. kind of gnawing at me in a way that I don't really know how to describe. Like, As I was telling my story, I was getting distracted by... The fact that you were growing more pale and beads of sweat were forming <laughs> on your head and you kept glancing 
into the corner of the room, which just happens to be where the wheels for Shadowlands Roulette are established. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's time we get into it then, yeah. Let's get into it. So Shadowlands Roulette is a segment that we do every now and again, and it is arguably the only organized segment we do. I think it may be the only organized segment that does us. <laughs> also <laughs> if true. I can put it that way. What we do is um, we use these roulette wheels to tell stories from the Shadowlands.net, an exactly. ancient website full of spooky stories. Submitted by people from all over the country slash world. Yes, indeed. The The history of these two wheels, we have two large roulette wheels that we, neither of us can remember whether we built them or they built themselves. They showed up one day. Yeah. And there's also this coin, this cursed large coin. Large cursed coin that we flip to pick which wheel we will read or, or spin, um, which will then tell us which place to read from. So the two sides of the coin, the two wheels, refer to the United States and the rest of the world. Exactly, because America. Exactly. And um, yeah, and then the wheels themselves contain locations in either of those general places. So we flip the coin, decide where we're going to go. We spin the wheel to decide which one it's going to be. And we read the story. At random from a list. Yes. You now are cut up. On how this works. Exactly. Let's do it. I don't so, know who's first. Do you want to flip first I, and I read first? Or I'll first flip so? first because I found that it gives me a sense of satisfaction and joy like nothing else in my life. That makes sense. I can't tell if that's the coin doing that to me or whether I just like flipping this coin, but here we go. All right. Go for it. Man, that thing seems like it's getting bigger and heavier all the time. It truly does. We have... The dreaded wheel of states, Jake. All right. That's what you're going to climb up on uh, there. They're just so big. So we describe them as roulette wheels. I think they're more kind of like um, Price is Right Showcase Showdown type wheels. Made out of bones and blood. Is that what that is? I think so. Okay. I just always assumed that was like, I don't know, some kind of a... That would account for the big stains on the ground. That's all right. It'll wash out, right? And why it's... Spritzes every which way in the room when it's spinning. I hope I get my deposit back when I leave this place. Anyway, you're All right, I'm gonna get up on. Let me grab your mic. Yeah, okay, just climbing up. I've got both mics now. Okay, ready? Yep. Uh, Ooh, good, Spencer. Okay, uh, and we're looking. No whammies. At. Massachusetts. Massachusetts. I bet there's a lot of spooky stuff in Massachusetts. I'm just. Home state. It is your home state. All right. A lot of stuff in Massachusetts. I'm randomly scrolling through the page. Randomly West, scrolling through Western the page. Mass. And I land on. Sorry, Nantucket. Oh, God. The Wawanet Hotel. Rumored to be built on top of an Indian burial ground. There are lights that will turn on by themselves. The sound of running water in the lobby where there are no pipes or toilets. Can you imagine there's just in the middle of the lobby? There might just be running water in the lobby then. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, those are the only two options for how there can be the sound of running Pipes water. Or Pipes toilets. or toilets. And footsteps. There is the ghost of a woman that can only be seen out of the corner of the eye and exudes a scent of gardenias or roses. Mm, um, I like this ghost. <laughs> Jamaican chambermaids will refuse to clean the rooms where she has recently been seen in the past. I'm sorry, exclusively Jamaican (laughs) chambermaids will refuse to clean the rooms where she has recently been seen in the past. Okay, but no one else. Nope. All right. That's the story of the Wallet Hotel at Nantucket. Very extremely spooky. Among the spookiest things I have ever heard. Personally, I agree. Whether the water would be rushing in the toilet or the pipes, I wish it was either of them, actually. Because the alternative is just too too chilling. Because we all know anytime we hear the sound of water rushing, <laughs> it is the most bone-chilling noise. Yes. All right. Would you so, like to flip the coin for me, I will flip sir? the coin. All right. Let me, um, where did it land? Oh, it's, it's already here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, let me pick it up. <laughs> I got it kind of a flip out of it. All right. What did we get? got the dreaded wheel of states oh shit well let me climb back on up there should i take your mic for you yes please okay it's all warmed up for you yeah yeah it actually really feels warm too oh my god i thought that was just me i figured it was i turned the heat on in here yesterday so i thought maybe it was just warming itself up is it i mean if i was to just throw out a random number i would say 96.8 is the temperature that i'm feeling right now okay but here we go all right just get there 
a hefty spin, my dear friend. Ooh, thank you, sir. And we are looking at Georgia. Georgia. All right. Holy shit, we have so fucking many Georgias. The deep south, I bet it's pretty haunted. Let's go with Lakeland mm. Cemetery on Burnt Church Road. Okay. As the story goes, the townspeople burned the church slash school with teacher and students inside after learning that the teacher was relaying satanic information. The children's graves are have unmarked wooden markers, <laughs> perhaps because the bodies are unidentifiable, or perhaps because the townsfolk did not want to remember what was done there that day. The teacher is buried next to the children and her grave is unnamed and is marked by a four foot high pile of bricks. Loud, clear, <laughs> but unintelligible voices can be heard, apparitions <laughs> or- <laughs> 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 all the time. It's not spooky. People are just like, oh, that grave. Um, voices can be heard, apparitions, or as called locally, walkers can be seen, sometimes taking a human-like form, sometimes in the form of animal-like creatures. Lost time can also be experienced. Bricks taken from the grave have, in my experience, caused spontaneous fires of objects they are near slash on. So this person who wrote this took more than one brick from the grave and things start catching on fire. That's uh that's a problem. Potassium. <laughs> just bricks of pure potassium. <laughs> it's all covered in like a kind of sheen of mineral oil, but once you take <laughs> yeah, one away, exactly. it just becomes very reactive. Yep. Uh very scary story. Yes. Um I do enjoy the idea that the town folk heard rumors that the teacher was telling the students satanic messages. And the yeah. solution was to murder all of the children and the teacher. Not to, like, confront her, have a trial like they would do in the day. They're just like, no, we're going to kill everyone near her. I like that they, yeah, they burned the church, which is, I guess, partly also a school. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. <laughs> um, it is, like, two, uh, two bastions of most societal, you know, community-type yes. things. And uh, the townspeople just decided, let's burn that shit. <laughs> yes by the number of like yeah, unmarked but marked graves like marking the graves of the children they're marked teacher, but the markers themselves are, are unmarked yes. you want to make sure you know what's there but don't actually know what's in there yeah, yeah exactly that's how they do it down <laughs> well that's very spooky and you that know. concludes a round of Shadowlands Roulette Alright, so... I'm glad that happened. I feel like that too. needed to happen. Yeah, I do too. I feel sort of relieved, like, um... I feel like I had had some kind of, like, metal clamp on my spine for a while that's been yeah. kind of loosened. Yeah. You know that feeling? I know the feeling. <laughs> I actually know exactly that feeling, yeah. weirdly enough. I've been trying to describe that feeling to close <laughs> friends and family, and no one has known exactly what I'm talking about. Excellent. Well, let's carry on with our Halloween episode. <laughs> So I have another spooky old story for us. All right. I only like spooky news stories. Okay. Well, actually, luckily for you, it's only six months old. Too old. Yeah, here's this from the turn of the 20th century. Different. <laughs> uh, so several times a year, someone will post in the Ask Reddit subreddit mm -hmm. um, asking for folks to tell their creepiest true stories. Mm -hmm. More often than not, the ensuing tales are true crime, close calls, and stuff like that. Um, but sometimes there are some good unexplained type sort of paranormalish things I uh here is one of them's from six months ago posted by forever pizza princess i know her forever you will know her the <laughs> pizza princess she says quote i posted this before and i'll share again because this has literally haunted me for a couple of years now not figuratively then. literally haunted mm -hmm. for background my family has had a lot of paranormal shit happen to them at our old house language <laughs> what the fuck? right out of the gates yes. <laughs> Uh, however, since we moved about one and a half to two years ago at that point, we had little to nothing happen. Extra info. I'm also the type of person to sleep with multiple blankets slash comforters. Also, my room in the new house is tiny. The walking room between my TV stand and bed is about one and a half feet. Plenty of walking room, but no room to sit or kneal. Anyway, <laughs> to the story. <laughs> so, set up. Critical, critical room. details. She has a TV by her bed, pretty close by. Pretty not a lot close of room by. between it and her. Sleeps with a shitload of blankets. Shitload of blankets. Like a freak. <laughs> Uh, one morning, I wake up facing my television. First thing I see is a person kneeling with one of my blankets that had fallen off during the night in front of me. 
the person has a, just a blanket over their head. They're just like kneeling there by yeah, her bed. Right. Uh, the figure is about four feet tall in its position, and with me leaning up on one elbow, would be about eye level with me while I laid on my bed. Yeah. I immediately starts smiling and laughing, knowing someone is playing a stupid prank on me. Like, have, you know, maybe a blanket of themselves look like a ghost or something. What house does she live in that that would be something you would just be like, <laughs> uh, just good one. Hanging up on my bed this while I sleep. This is how I like this getting creep. up. Good yeah. joke. My first thought is my boyfriend being funny, making my first reaction to touch him. Total Chad. Yes. Uh, so I do. I press my middle and index finger into the forehead, pushing him as far back as my arm can reach. Feels exactly like pushing someone's head backwards. Exactly as in I could recreate the feeling right now, pushing on my own head. Whoa. I push him backwards, his head and body going backwards, actually taking the push, not popping back up immediately like a punch toy, actually sitting back <laughs> for a second. So instead of like a weeble, like she pushes yes. it and just comes wobbling back up. This person, Pu- they're Pushing figure, it back and then they like kind of back. stay back and then slowly come back up again mm-hmm. um, before coming back. Uh, I do this again and again three or four times before coming out of my tired state and realizing this can't be my boyfriend. He doesn't live with me. I know that sounds stupid, but he's just always the first thing on my mind in the mornings. Protects and such. Uh, it suddenly hits me. Someone's under my blanket. Quickly, I start to scramble backwards on my bed, trying desperately to get away from who the hell ever is in front of me. Out of the corner of my eye, I see my older sister coming to her room, her door next to mine. Seeing my absolutely terrified face, she calls out my name. I quickly look at her while still trying to get away, only to turn back to a completely flat comforter on the floor. Mm-hmm. So there was someone there. She could feel like pushing at them. They just kind of leaning back and slowly leaning forward again. Creepy. She turns away, turns back, and they're gone. Just an empty blanket there. Spooky. Oh, just look at the time. It's six sixty-six on the uh, oh on the timer. Oh my. Yeah. So there's another Halloween uh, kind of. Reddit post from this year. That was a good one. I enjoyed that. What a life she's living. <laughs> Wearing blankets and being close to TVs. That's right. That's right. Then um, allow me to tell the story of Bad Vibes in Paradise by Marcia Murdoch. All right. My husband Ron and I have a favorite bow hunting hideaway I'll call Goat Gulch. Tucked into Colorado high country, the little valley is nearly unknown. There is no road, no trail, no fish, and no 14er for peak baggers, a.k.a. 14-point buck, I imagine. Okay, I was like, what the um, fuck is she saying? Peak baggers being, like, people who want to take that dopest of animals back home. <laughs> With two small lakes and lots for privacy, it is idyllic for watching elk calves and mule deer fawns learn about life, and it's the perfect place to hunt <laughs> untroubled learn bucks during these, archery season. Learn how to make it on these tough streets. Basic math. <laughs> They're ABCs. Um, <laughs> right? That's how a deer would talk. Probably. Can you try one? What did you say? Don't try that. <laughs> it's a U-shaped glacial valley with a steep headwall, sidewalls, and a gentle wide bottom. Oh, yeah. Clothed in willow <laughs> mazes and dense patches of spruce crumholtz don't know what that is only a mile wide and a couple of miles long the valley is small by rocky's standards but it gives a hunter plenty of room to make mistakes it had always been a great place to entertain ourselves alternately watching each other being outmaneuvered by the local deer conditions for stocking are challenging the breezes swirl around in the glacial bowl at the head of the valley making approach from any direction a crapshoot maybe you can make it before your scent does maybe not The thermals often force you to follow circuitous routes to your chosen ambush. Getting close in those conditions provides frustration of many facets. Mm. Yet the weather (laughs) time of year is delicious, (laughs) and it's easy to relax and enjoy the game of pursuit. Trivial pursuit, specifically. They bring their board along as their (laughs) bow hunting deer. On a good day, you can count more than two dozen bucks as well as does and fawns, a herd of elk and sometimes mountain goats lounging on the snowfield at the headwall. We secrete our tent. (laughs) (laughs) We erect, I imagine, our tent in a secluded spot. That's a really really weird... uh... (laughs) I think I'm going to read it as it's written. Okay. We secrete our tent in a secluded (laughs) spot at the mouth of the valley. What is it made of? Oh, God. So disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Another perfect tent. <laughs> I don't think that's a tent. I'm sorry to tell you. What have you been sleeping in? Um, so they secrete their tent in a secluded spot at the mouth of the valley where we can sit and glass the hillsides while coffee brews. 
glass maybe meaning binoculars guess all this jargon yes um the valley has many moods some of them impossible to fathom or explain one evening after ron and i set up camp we took off in different directions to hunt Ron climbed the steep east wall to watch a certain trail that had frequent deer traffic. It's a great little funnel on the ridge spine where several trails from our side converge and several trails from the timber pine forest on the back of the ridge aim the deer and elk into Goat Gulch through a little notch in the rocks. The trail is perfect is a perfect pinch point. He's had luck there before, so it seemed a good plan. I took to the will bottoms, working my way along the toe of west wall, getting to the downwind end of the breeze. Then I padded my way back down the east side of the valley below Ron's Ridge. I wound my way upwind down the valley as deer were coming out the meadows below to feed. As I approached them, staying well hidden, all was tranquil. It was a quiet evening and the deer fed undisturbed. I closed to about 60 yards, still undetected, watching about 20 deer of both sexes and all ages. Suddenly, the northerly breeze shifted, turning into a stout gust pushing westerly off the ridge Ron was hunting. A few minutes later, all the deer, every one in unison, whirled as a unit and fled up the valley in clear panic. Hmm. They couldn't have winded me, and none had even looked my way. Ron was too far away for them to wind him. Besides, winding, if you guys don't realize, is when they pick up your scent because of the breeze. Mm-hmm. Besides, usually when the wind busted us, the deer just drifted off. No other humans were around, and I hadn't seen any predators. While I was puzzling over what had caused the deer to panic, I spotted Ron on the spine of the ridge. He was headed down in a hurry. Through my binoculars, I could see he was a man with a mission. He just hurled himself down the hill. <laughs> just tumbling head over a foot. Yeah. <laughs> He wanted off that ridge now. Mm. Something was definitely wrong, and his body language told me it was time to get out of there. The way he was desperately sprinting away from something made me think, I should go away. I should run, too. (laughs) By the time Ron made it up to camp, I had the packs reloaded and was folding the tent. What happened to the tent, he asked in a strained voice, his hands creeping toward his weapon. I reabsorbed it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm packing up camp, I said. You looked like a man trying to get away from something up there. He looked defensive, as if he was being stalked. (laughs) As we compared notes, he told me that at about the same time I had watched the deer bolt, he'd had this overpowering feeling that something sinister or dangerous was very close. The feeling was so strong that he had actually drawn his knife. Whatever it was had shadowed him down the ridge. Now in camp, it was weaker, but still tangible. I'm not particularly superstitious, but weird things happen out there in the wilderness sometimes, things that cannot be explained in normal terms. His story, coupled with the deer's headlong retreat, was enough to spook me. I redoubled my speed to finish packing. Dusk was imminent, and now neither of us wanted to be in the valley when dark fell. We hustled down the indistinct game trail, and as we dropped toward the road, the sensation of threat grew fainter and fainter. Finally, just before full dark, when we could see the forest road, whatever it was left us. Some things are tough to explain. I had a similar feeling up there once while I was sheep hunting alone and the only human within miles. I had been camped at Treeline for a couple of weeks, and it was very in tune with the wilderness. I'd had time to get to know the commuting badger and had a nodding acquaintance with a pair of blue grouse. Even the elk had decided I wasn't a threat. A herd simply parted one evening and allowed me to walk through them. It's kind of cool. I like those details very much. I had become part of the landscape and felt really comfortable until that one afternoon. I climbed high and found no sheep. As I sat in the open tundra studying the country below, I decided to go down into the timber and see if the rams had bedded in the upper bristle cone zone. I had done this several times over the past two weeks, but this day something was different. I dripped down toward the trees, and the closer I got, the harder something pushed against me. Some psychic barrier stopped me. I didn't know what to make of it, but it felt like a force field. It didn't feel particularly malevolent, but when I got too close to a certain spot, there was a palpable sensation of threat. Hmm. Come no closer. It wasn't like getting too close to a grizzly. No feeling of mortal risk. It was more like a warning. How strange. It was as if a ram had a guardian that kept him from harm. Maybe that was it. The keeper of the ram was protecting uh, its ward. Did you see any blue sparks following the ram around? Maybe? <laughs> yes, exactly. When I retreated back up the mountain, I f- the feeling left. So I tried again. When I approached the same area again, the force field returned. 
I cannot explain it in rational terms, but I never got within 100 yards of the trees. I still have no understanding of what Ron and I experienced that evening, or what I felt on my solo hunt. When we returned to the valley a few weeks later, I delighted once again in its tranquility. The evil was nowhere to be found, and the deer had returned to their skillful and relaxed ways of avoiding us. Hmm. Very interesting. Very mysterious. Yes. Mountain, uh, mountain oddness. A little mountain oddness for you. <laughs> Or was this again? I forgot where it was. This was actually originally published in the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation's Bugle Magazine, March through April 2008, Volume 25, Issue 2. And Colorado? Okay. Col- Colorado High Country. So I guess west, Western Colorado. Hmm. Very strange. Yeah, I can't imagine what that would be like being out in the woods, especially people who were clearly used to being out there and just like very comfortable with the area. Used right. to all the different potential fauna they run into and stuff, right, right? And then just having that feeling of like, oh, something isn't right, and it's I need to get the hell out of here, or this is just not the way it's supposed to be, kind of a feeling. Exactly. It it does like because when I initially read that story, I was sort of dismissing the second experience more so than the first. Yeah. And that way that you can sort of get creeped out just randomly sometimes, mm-hmm. and then that area gets charged with your Memory auto auto that. priming exactly, or whatever. Yeah. Where, oh, it was weird here. I'm going to come back here and see. Oh, no, I still no, feel I weird No, I still feel it. weird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but just like you say, it's very true. These people are like so conditioned and so used to it. If anything, delight in being out there. Yeah. You know, to then suddenly just be like, no, I've done this before. Right now, this feels strange. Right. Creepy. Good old weird woods stuff. I, some I, weird woods tales for you. I did look you. at some weird creepy woods tales for today, but ended up not settling on any for today specifically, but might bring them up later on down the road. Sounds good to me. So yeah, I think now we can move on to uh, some other spooky times. We are now going to move on to our specialist guest of the whole month. Indeed, we uh, met her on the street. Well, I guess maybe she met us. I don't know. She just kind of came out of nowhere. I saw you coming, you could say. Please welcome to the show, A Long Island Medium. Thank you. My name is Shirley Marinelli of Marinelli Jewelers. We buy and sell gold. Okay. Just gold? You don't handle any other kind of jewelry? Gold and estate sales. We do the whole thing. We do the whole uh, shebang. So all right. I've heard of the Marinelli family. Um, you guys run a really big business all throughout Long Island, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, with locations in Amityville, Centerhurst, Longhurst, Otherhurst, Brentwood. <laughs> Otherhurst. <laughs> you know, all the Hurst. The Hurst that they're Hurst. There's a lot of Hurst. Mm-hmm. We got all of them. Now, we understand, at least from what you kind of told us when we bumped into you on the street that you are gifted with the second sight indeed okay do you want to um give us a demonstration for the show for our special halloween episode certainly yeah you did also mention i don't know if you'd be interested in following up on this as well that you also have the ability for the third sight and i was wondering maybe after the reading if you could tell us how that works that's rude and you just put that question back in your pants where it came from all right Good point. Now, I've offered to do a tarot reading for you boys. All right. You're not going to make fun of that, are you? Of course not. Nope. Wouldn't dream of it. I'll know if you do. That's right. (sighs) All right. (laughs) Oh, my God. Did you turn the lights down on your own, Jake, or was this... I didn't touch it. This is your apartment. (laughs) Holy shit. Um, Wow. That was really cool. So, I'm going to have you first, Wyatt. You might need to put your microphone down because you're going to shuffle the deck until it feels right. We didn't tell her our names. Oh, my God. I know things. So I, shuffle, I just know I things. This? You shuffle. All right. Does it feel right? <laughs> You're shuffling till it feels right. All right. It's good. It's good. It's cooked. <laughs> it, it, I guess it All feels right. right. All right. I guess it feels it's right. It's cooked. It's his turn now. Okay. God. Okay. So this is joint reading. It's true. It is a reading. You both For have the... to touch my deck. Oh. Oh, no. Uh, what? No, no. I, no I, sorry. I misunderstood. Yeah, that's fine. Earlier, you gestured to various parts of your body and said, this is my deck. This is also my deck. Also, I have a deck of cards, so I'm just wondering. Marinelli's a very broad in the deck area. Okay. Nothing feels right, but the cards do. All right. What we're doing here is called the work cycle spread. It was developed by Rachel Polak. That's probably not Whoa, how she language, says that. Language. Polak. No, that sounds Pollock? worse. <laughs> That's worse. I, I, hey, you know, is I don't know Pollock? how you guys do things on Long Island. Like the fish? Sure. Okay. Sister of Jackson. No. Okay. All right. So the first card we draw, (laughs) first card we draw represents inner, 
your being. The your, being uh, of the show, if you will. Oh, oh boy. Um, so oh, we're I'm looking, sorry, boys. There's a woman with like she's all tied up to a fence. It looks like looks like a fence of swords. Uh, oh. It's not a fence, but those are swords. Okay. And the card we are looking at looks like a eight. Excuse you. <laughs> are you the medium? No, no. Yeah, that's right. Shut up, why? <laughs> what we have is an eight of swords. Eight you of may swords, notice okay. this woman looks distressed. Yeah. She is tied up. She is surrounded by swords. Mm-hmm. Not a good Probably place to not be. the best situation All to right. be in. But also, she's blindfolded, so maybe she doesn't know how bad it is. We'll take another card and see. All right, second card is gonna be your outer. What you're doing now? That's that's interesting. So this is a two of wands. Mm-hmm. You can see, I got that one faster. It's, it's you did. Well, we do each have a wand of sorts i don't know if oh that's what we're it's about. true and there are two of them <laughs> there's now three i guess i'll assume you boys are talking about walking sticks yep just like the guy in the card who seems to be this man appears to be a sage he's looking out at mm-hmm. what appears to be some kind of mystical ball mm-hmm. he's holding his wand very tightly in his left hand which is a sign of power what i'm getting from this is internally there's some uh, mystery here. Maybe you don't know where you're going. You're blindfolded. You're surrounded by swords on all sides. That is how I've been <laughs> feeling lately. In actuality, mm-hmm. let's say, mm-hmm. you're, uh, you're say powerful. That. You're seeing into the future. You're powerful. Oh, hey, I like that. I Could like we that. be our own mediums? No. Oh. All right. Next card. Next card. Past experience. Oh, boy. So <laughs> More swords. Looks more like swords. you guys got a... Uh, Sword in the hat uh-huh. is your past experience. Oof. Is that a good thing <laughs> or a bad thing? What you betrayed? We recently had this ad read. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is crazy. Someone way, someone you cared about very deeply. Indeed. Hurt you <laughs> when you thought they might help you, when you paid them money to help you. You might say that Why? happened. Wyatt. Would you like to draw the next card? Oh, my. On behalf of the show itself, I will try to channel the mixer unit as I pull this card. (laughs) Describe the card to Jake. All right, Jake, I'm looking at... Should I say what card number it is? It looks like a four of swords is my bet. More swords? There's more swords. Oh, God. There's a statue of a man sort of lying on his back. almost looks like it's a a crypt, if you will. And... uh, a sword underneath him as part of like this statue and then mm-hmm. there are three swords on a separate statue above him that are pointed all down at him this seems great what is this, this is a great one. however there is a stained glass window in the upper left corner that, oh, that features nice. kind of a nice little scene of a man looking kind of like he's seeking absolution from a uh, sacred figure why are you looking at a crypt oh boy the window just looks nice because it's supposed to be in a church oh man she just snatched the card out of my hand <laughs> Don't put lipstick on a pig. This no. is a bad cad. That's a bad cad? Are we going to have a problem here? No. Tell me all about this card, please. This card represents your expectations. Oh now, boy. looking at this and mm-hmm. all the other swords in the reading, I'm a little concerned that you boys are uh, you losing the faith. You might be sitting out here already thinking you're dead. Hmm. That's no way to be. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> Jake, <Anyway>. no. <laughs> you guys seem a little uncomfortable. We're going to move on to the next gad. Oh, interesting. We have a queen of pentacles, but she's upside down. Hmm. Or reversed, as we who have the gift would say. Queen of pentacles. Do you know what pentacles is the suit of? No, you don't know shit. Jake, do you know? <laughs> um, um... Stars? Nobody knows. Star- no. <laughs> what does that look like to you, boy? That's a coin. Pentacles is the soda money. Oh, oh. man. That explains money, why all money. of your shops have pentacles all over the... Yeah, that's why. Signs. Hail Satan. <laughs> you are just a medium, right? <laughs> Not just anything. I'm vast. I contain multitudes. Anyway, Queen of Pentacles, upside down. Were this card right side up, we would say uh, wealth and bounty floweth <laughs> onto thee. Oh, boy. However... Mm. Okay. Oh, no. With it reversed, mm-hmm. kind of mm. suggests uh, we're dumping a lot uh, of money into this podcast and yeah. seeing no returns. Yeah. This yeah, is rough so uh, far. Pretty accurate. Pretty accurate. So both this and the next two cards 
Mm-hmm. I'm more about the work you've been doing. Okay. Well, that's so accurate. Then we have yes. invested a lot of money into this. <laughs> yeah. You were expecting bounty, maybe not getting bounty. Oh, boy. This seems like a much oh, worse no. thing. This looks like a shitload There's more a pentacles, also upside down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about that. We got ourselves a, a seven of pentacles, mm-hmm. also upside down. You can see he's sort of a farmer type. Yeah, he's looking like he's, he's looking over his harvest, his, his labors, bounty. Yeah. But with it being upside down, you take the opposite meaning. His so bounty's you, looking down on him. His plants planted him at the start of the season. <laughs> no, your face says no. Not just but, my but your face. eyes say yes. <laughs> it's just yeah. No, even her eyes say no. Oh no. <laughs> Carry on. All right, here, here we, go. we go. There's a good right. card. Queen of Cups. Nice. Queen of Cups. We're Brandon's gonna have more beer. beer. <laughs> exactly. You know that might be part of it. Not gonna lie. But Queen of Cups, great God. You wanna know why? Yes, please. Cups is the suit of emotion, and queens, uh-huh. queens represent maternal force. So you might say maybe I'm the Queen of Cups, and I'm uh, bestowing. <laughs> Some uh, joy and good fortune. I did see that you brought along these coupons for 50% off. That's right. Morelli's family shop. Marinelli's. Did I say Morelli's? You did. Oh, jeez. That's all right. I corrected you gently. You had to make a thing out of it. It's fine. Moving on. All right. Queen of Cups. I at least did not mention the Marinara family, which I know you guys are in. Don't you. You just did. Don't you dare. I did just do. Don't you dare. I'm done. I never said Don't ever. Next card, we've got the outcome. Hmm. So this is this fi- like our final fate kind of card? It's a potential one. You also have a result card okay, coming right, up. So. Result <laughs> card. This, to me, it's the five of wands. Wands, the uh, suit of power and action. Okay. okay. Now. There's a bunch of guys sort of look like they're having like a mosh pit They're with kind sticks. of having a, a little stick fight. Yeah. You know, they're seeing whose stick is bigger, weighing one stick against the other, like men do. <laughs> They're all upside down, though, aren't they? They are upside down, which makes me think maybe you've been having kind of warring ideas going on, a little bit of uh, stick fighting of your own, but it's gonna it's gonna come to a close. You're gonna find some uh, resolution. Nice. I was thinking about making this into a one host show, but maybe I won't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, the cards never lie. Jake, I'm gonna let you choose the final card. Oh boy! All right. Make it so. a good one. Don't fuck it up. I fucked it up. Yeah, Uh-oh. we're going to read her this way. Oh, okay. I, picked it up. I don't know how we even flipped yeah. it up, So, Jake, would you like to describe the card to Wyatt? It says three on the top. It says this is the Empress, and she looks like she's wearing some very comfortable pajamas. She has a crown of, of a bunch of stars. That was a nice like forest scene behind her. She's on a cushion. It's a little like kind of ankh sort of female f- symbol in this heart next to her. Um would you like to know what I think about this cat? I would quite like to know. Frankly, I'm flummoxed. Because <laughs> on one hand, the Empress, positive card. She's uh, she's a queen. She's got some wealth behind her. She's got largesse, bounty. And again, a woman. She's a symbol of fertility, a symbol of motherhood. But I noticed you uh, you don't have any ladies on your show. Uh, we male host. Actually, we you have not listened to the recent of, uh, ladies, episodes. <laughs> exclusively ladies on the show. Indeed. Oh, that's interesting. So we are uh, taking steps to remedy that. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that's uh, that's a good thing, and the cards are trying to tell you so. Exactly. In uh-huh. fact, our uh, our first guest was a, uh, a lady named Lindsay who... Um, she's from Long Island, I isn't she? I think she's also from Long Island, uh-huh. but I don't know. Anyway. We don't, I, I don't, we don't all know each other. Everyone always thinks that. Um, well, boys, this was very nice. We yeah, got to be going. <laughs> well, thank you very much um, for showing thank, up. Uh, thank for you so much. Joining us on our Halloween episode of the show this year, telling our um, whole deal here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, giving us our whole deal telling was really good. <laughs> thank you for reading, Tara. You're welcome. Thank you for giving us these coupons. You're very welcome. Can we expect to maybe have you back on another episode down the way, potentially? Yeah, you might say I see that in the future. Well, that's good to know. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. A Long Island Medium. That was the first time, I mean, I've ever had a reading for a show done of any kind. I can't imagine there are that many science podcasts about the paranormal who have had their cards read about the show. (laughs) Exactly. 
buy a sort of a single certified long island medium exactly so um that was that and, and that was our halloween, halloween episode. special yeah I our second annual indeed super duperstitious halloween spook extravaganza extravaganza <laughs> exactly <laughs> Um, thank you all for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the ep. We hope you enjoyed the month of just kind of shaking things up for October. Indeed. And we'll uh, see you again next week with some just standard fare back to the old format of telling you the spooky science goodness exactly. we so enjoy. And, but as we get into this new year, hopefully we will continue to have some cool guesties. Some cool ghosties. Some cool guesties, some cool ghosties. And that'll be good. Yep. <laughs> all right, thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.